Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, So next Sunday is the first uh, Sunday of Advent, the season of Advent. Uh, Maybe show of hands who's familiar with these church seasons, these sacred seasons in the church calendar. Okay, a lot of us. Some of you have Advent drinking calendars, I can tell by looking at you. Um, And maybe you know about Lent and Advent, but um, Advent just again, to be clear, it's not starting today. Uh, and I want to help us kind of just get started in the right direction together. Uh, so over the next few weeks, not today, we're going to talk about uh, hope and peace and joy and love. Those are kind of the typical Advent themes. And those will be our weekly themes uh, in the group that Brianna is going to lead and in our worship together. But the season as a whole, the kind of under uh, current of the whole season of Advent is one of waiting and anticipation. We're actively, eagerly, intentionally waiting for Christmas to celebrate the truth that God shows up with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we take time in the church calendar every year to pause and to wait, to do this practice of waiting in anticipation. So in general, are you guys good at waiting? No. Anyone consider patience their number one spiritual gift? I just want to clap for you if that's true and like maybe get coffee for questions. <laughs> or waiting is hard. I like uh, Richard Rohr's definition of suffering. R- Rohr says that suffering happens anytime we are not in control. And so for me, waiting is the ultimate suffering. Like it's just the ultimate we are out of control of what's happening. And during Advent, uh, we read these amazing texts, mostly a lot. You'll hear our Advent readings in the next few weeks where we light a candle and do this thing. They're readings from the prophets and the Psalms, mostly. And that's a lot of our Christmas texts um, because these writers in the Psalms and the prophets are actively waiting for something to happen. They are exiled. They are being oppressed. They are struggling. They are at war. There are real enemies. And they are saying, God, we are waiting for you to do anything. Could you show up and help in any way? God, please. And maybe you feel a little bit like that today. There's texts like Psalm 130 that say, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. In Isaiah chapter 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. That Isaiah passage starts in the last days. There's a day, eventually there will be a day where we don't have to be at war anymore where all those swords, all those weapons of war will just turn into farming equipment. Right? Psalm 130, Lord, we are waiting. That's what it says. Please hear us, please. And these authors of these texts, they know that waiting is hard. And so we walk alongside the prophets and the Psalms and all those who have waited for God to intervene. And we wait. 
And we hope and we anticipate that God will show up and intervene. And my hope in this season is that for us, if nothing else, that we could have a really honest and vulnerable conversations through these themes. If nothing else, our waiting should be honest and vulnerable. These four themes of Advent, hope and peace and joy and love, they are really good characteristics. Like we should all be hopeful, you know, like that's good. We should all have more peace, that's good. We should all be joyful and loving. Those things are good ways of being. They're good things to embody. But the truth is that if we're actually honest, most of us don't always feel that joyful or peaceful or maybe loving or hopeful. But those things aren't um, just spewing out of us all the time. And again, some of you just spent a few days with your family and you're like, you know what? I'm not as loving as I thought. I thought I was really doing good. Not so good anymore. And I think during Christmas, especially, there's this pressure that we feel to be especially merry and bright. You know, you don't want to be the person at the Christmas party that says, no, actually, I'm not doing that well. It's been kind of a tough year. Right? And I, I just wonder if that's maybe why a lot of us drink so much during December. Because it's really the only way we can get to pretending to be happy. And so I'm hoping... And if that hurt you, maybe just spend some time with it later. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm hoping that we can be honest about this, that we don't have to come at it and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church and I'm going to pretend to be really joyful. And I'm going to come to church and I'm just going to pretend that I'm so hopeful, I just know everything's going to be fine and I have so much internal peace and I love everyone around me. And then we get in the car and we scream all our four-letter words and we drive home. I want, if nothing else, for us to be honest and vulnerable with one another, right? I think that's the challenge, the invitation of Advent, that we might learn how to wait with an honest kind of hope, right? an honest kind of joy, and an honest peace, a vulnerable kind of love. Let, let's, um, let's do a little, uh, a little thought experiment together. I love thought experiments. I haven't done them in a while. Um, when, you're, when you... When you are waiting for something, when your mind starts uh, wandering the future, does anyone do that? Maybe you do this a lot. Some people do it more than others, that you start thinking about whatever future you might have. Some of us um, idealize our imagined future. And the way I think of it is always um, around this Michael Scott quote. Is that okay? Uh, Michael Scott from The Office, some of you don't know, says, yes, money has been a little bit tight lately, but at the end of my life, when I'm sitting on my yacht, am I going to be thinking about how much money I have? No, I'm going to be thinking about how many friends I have and my children and my comedy albums. I mean, I have a yacht, so obviously I did pretty well money-wise. And some of us operate like this. When we think about our future, we do this practice. We idealize everything. We say, everything's going to be great. Of course it's going to be great. I'm on my yacht. <laughs> I mean, clearly things worked out. And we just kind of naturally do this about our future. It will all be fine. Everything's fine. In fact, it's going to be better than fine. It's going to be amazing. I mean, have you seen me? I do amazing stuff. And we idealize our future. Some other words that might go alongside this would be uh, emotional bypassing. We just kind of say, yeah, there are hard things, but I'm just not going to deal with those. Or uh, toxic positivity might go alongside this. We just, we just idealize the future. It's totally fine. Everything is fine. 
And then sometimes some of us um, live on the other side of this. So we catastrophize everything. Maybe you're a person who does this. So you look into the future and you project disaster. There's no proof that any disaster is coming, but there's disaster coming for you. Like shrapnel is flying in every vision of the future you have. Right? The words that go along this might be like fortune telling. So we assume and plan around the worst case scenarios. And some of you are like, that has done me well. I'm like, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Another word might be, uh, another phrase might be apocalyptic thinking. That you just kind of live there. Everything is an apocalypse waiting. And either you live in this idealized future or this catastrophized future. Yeah, I made up the word catastrophize. We'll deal with it later. Um, would you be willing to share which one you are? So raise your hand if you are an idealizer. You say everything's going to be fine. Are, who's a catastrophizer? A lot of you are married to each other. That's really fun. <laughs> Super fun times. In both views of the future, so um, this catastrophized future and this idealized future, neither of them are really uh, about dealing with what's in front of us. So both of those fail to manage what's actually in front of us. We say, I would rather not deal with what's right here. So I'm going to wander the future, either way over here or way over here. And none of them are really rooted in reality most of the time. So here, here's a, another visual. If these words, if they're just too conceptual for you, if you're not sure, here's a, another way to think about it that I like. So there's this scale between nothing is possible and anything is possible. And so maybe you could just look and imagine where you sit most of the time. I think a lot of us find ourselves closer than one or the other. Maybe just take a moment to evaluate where, maybe even just today, maybe this would be a helpful practice with you to take with you. As you sit in the mornings, you say, where, where am I today? Am I in a nothing is possible kind of frame of mind? Maybe it would be helpful to know before you start your morning conversation. <laughs> My hope is that we can root ourselves in the middle of these conversations. So we don't have to say, you know, everything's going to be terrible. But we also don't have to pretend that everything is fine that we can plant our feet in reality, in honesty, and in vulnerability, and say, this is exactly where I am. And listen, if you are a catastrophizer, and you say, you know, I'm, I um, project disaster, even though I have no um, evidence that disaster is coming, I understand. That's okay. But you should know that's what you're doing. <laughs> you, you should root yourself in reality and say, I have a tendency to be this way. If you're an idealizer, that's okay. But plant your feet in reality and say, you know, this is a, this is a thing I do. And so I'm just going gonna, gonna to make myself aware of it. That we, that we have this honesty and this vulnerability as we wait for whatever future we have imagined. That we say, this is where I am today. I don't have to pretend to be anything else. This is exactly where I am. And just as a note, if today you hear me talking about vulnerability and honesty and you automatically assume that is about your negative feelings, that you say, oh, I should, be more, I should be more open about how I'm not doing well. That's fair. But also, it's vulnerable to admit that you're hoping again. If you're feeling really hopeful today, say that out loud too. That's vulnerable work to say out loud, I am hopeful. Maybe it's the first time in a long time you've been hopeful. Or you say, I'm experiencing more joy than I ever have before. That's a vulnerable act to say it out loud. 
And so it doesn't have to just be that you start sharing out loud all the negative feelings in your life, and that can be a helpful practice too, but maybe you could also share the positive ones. You say, however you are, wherever you are on the spectrum between anything is possible and nothing is possible, wherever you are about how hopeful or joyful or peaceful you are, you just say, I'm going to be as honest as I can about that. So I, I want to give you today some uh, phrases or mantras, if you're the kind of person who's into a mantra. If you're not, just forget I ever used that word, if that offends you. But um, I just want to give you these as a, as a practice to wait with honesty and vulnerability. So these are phrases that you could carry with you through Advent. You just take with you, maybe write them down if it's helpful for you. So if you want to wait with honest hope, you can just say to yourself, this is hard, but it won't last forever. This is like the most gather phrase I have. I have said it over and over again. This is hard, but it won't last forever. It's honest hope that you say, wherever I am, I don't have to pretend that it's not hard. It is. It just is. But I'm also going to um, acknowledge that every hard thing I've experienced before has passed. This is hard, but it's not going to last forever. It's an honest hope. If you want to wait with honest joy, you can just say to yourself over and over again, joy is available to me today. It is. I know hard things are happening your circumstances may not lend themselves to automatic joy. I get it. You just say, in my life, maybe in t- the tiniest of ways, joy is available to me today. You just remind yourself over and over and over again. If you want to wait with honest peace, just remind yourself that everything you need exists within you. Not everything you want, but you have been given everything you need to make it through your day. Right? And if you want to wait with honest love, just remind yourself that I'm worthy of love regardless of my circumstances. Right? It doesn't matter what you don't have or this future that you think you should have in order to receive love. You can just remind yourself, I'm worthy of love regardless of my circumstances. Right where I am, I'm worthy of love. Right? In this season of love and peace and hope and joy and all the merry and brightness, I'm hoping that we wait with some radical honesty, that we can admit to ourselves, that we can admit to each other, that maybe you just need to admit it to God and say, I'm not that hopeful. I'm not feeling joyful. That we don't have to pretend and we don't have to live an either kind of polarized view of our life, but we can root ourselves in a reality where we plant our feet and we wait with honesty during Advent. And so for you, how are you with waiting? Now, most of you said you're not good, I understand. But maybe you could just evaluate what happens in your body and how you respond uh, while you're waiting, while your life is buffering. And when I tell you that Advent is a season of waiting and this practice of waiting, how does that sound to you? Most people want to ignore that part of it. You go, I'm just going to, I'm going to skip to the hopeful sermon. But how does waiting sound? And maybe just evaluate why you're in such a hurry. Like, what are you trying to get to? Maybe maybe take some time this week to consider why you are rushing. And in your moments of waiting, in your moments of wandering the future, kind of considering what's next, are you able to plant your feet in reality? Or do you tend on one side or the other? And maybe the practice for you would just to not use those tactics of idealizing the future or catastrophizing. Um, Maybe acknowledge that you do that sometimes to avoid what's in front of you. So 
you just say, my practice this week is to not avoid the emotions I'm currently feeling. So anytime you feel yourself wandering the future either direction, you just say, what am I avoiding that's right now? Maybe that could be your practice. And for you, which of these phrases do you need the most? Or maybe just which idea, hope, peace, joy, and love, which of those ideas feels furthest from you? Right? Maybe some of those come a little more natural than others. Some of us are just more naturally hopeful or more naturally joyful. But maybe you could consider what feels the furthest from you, and you could try to live into that this season. Maybe adopt one of these phrases, even just for a few weeks. Take it as your own. You can tweak it if you want to, but just try to live that out a little bit. Right? In this uh, season of waiting, I want you to know that at least in this space, you are invited to bring your whole honest self. Like Maybe you shouldn't do that at your office Christmas party, but when you come here, you can be as vulnerable as you need to be. You do not have to pretend to be anything you are not. You can plant yourself in reality. You don't have to avoid what's in front of you. And you can be as honest and vulnerable as you need during this season. Uh, A.J. Jacobs is a uh, New York Times bestselling author and a journalist, and uh, he's also a uh, father to twins. And um, he had a, a friend who was a few years behind him and had uh, twins when his twins uh, were about eight years old. So he had this really good friend. He had twins also. And so he was kind of just waiting for this friend to call him eventually, you know, the, the dad call that's like, please help. And so eventually his friend, who also had twins, called him. And um, he said, you know, I know you have twins that are a little bit older, and um, I'm having a very hard time. And his friend, AJ's friend, asked him, uh, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And if you're a parent, you've maybe asked yourself this question. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And uh, AJ Jacobs said, no. <laughs> Which is not what that guy was calling for, by the way. He said no. And this is what he told his friend that I think is really profound. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to get used to the light that is already in the tunnel, and eventually that will be enough. And for us, as we enter into this Advent season, there's no light at the end of the Advent tunnel. Like Your life won't be magically better on Christmas morning. It doesn't matter what toys you get, okay? And I'm sure you've already found this out, but um, your life isn't magically better because you believe in this baby that was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. It just is, you, everything doesn't get solved. Jesus isn't our problem solver, our make everything easier. Right? We celebrate at Christmas, every Christmas, that Jesus is the light of the world. Not the light at the end of the world, not the light uh, that guides us out of the world, that Christ is the light in the tunnel. And at the end of this Advent, when we get to Christmas, my guess is that for most of us, life will just still be really hard. That existing will still be painful in all of its many ways. But hopefully in our honest waiting, in maybe the smallest of ways, we'll be able to notice all of the light that is already surrounding us. And hopefully that will be enough. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Be as honest as you can about how you are. Ground yourself in honest hope and honest peace and honest joy and honest love. 
there is enough light for you in this beautiful and brutal world. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.